Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Well, if you just press play, you are missing out on 24 minutes of us talking about Nope. And by us, I mean Chris Starin. He's joined us on the podcast again. This is uh, guest appearance number four. Wow. At this point. I know. Pretty exciting. I'm going to be a regular. I'm going to be like your sidekick soon. You know. Yeah, we could talk about all kinds of movies. Yeah. I love this. I get I'll to expose you to more movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we talked about Nope because I got a text from Chris saying that this was his favorite movie or one of his favorites. And typically he does not watch horror movies. So I was really interested to hear what he had to say. Um, and because we already talked about this on the podcast, we weren't just going to do a second episode. But on Patreon, you can tune in to hear Chris Darren's specific thoughts. Um, very interesting as the two of us discuss horror, discuss kind of like how movies sometimes don't have to have a meaning and that can just be fun entertainment, which is just as valid as if they did have a meaning. Um, they just had, they hit at a different time. Um, support on Patreon for $3 a month to get access to that. That is at the beginning of every episode since about March of 2022. So I would say at this point, it's probably totaling over 10 hours of 15 hours of extra content you're getting at this point. Because we do, man, we do an episode every week. That's kind of wicked to me sometimes when I think about yeah. it. And uh, yeah, there's other benefits to supporting on the podcast. You'll hear about those as you listen. But again... Chris Starin is joining me. So, Chris, how are you? How how are things? Uh, they've been a little difficult lately, but I'm happy to be here talking about nonsense. I mean, there's nothing like nonsense to just lift your spirits. <laughs> I love nonsense during the holidays. And now I fully understand nonsense during the holidays because I have watched... I also... This is the first time watching Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Really? Uh, I had not watched these, but obviously I had heard about them a lot. And for people who are tuning in, we're going to do, we're going to talk about Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Then we'll have, I have a little Christmas themed game for Chris. And then after that, we'll just talk about, it'd be like a semi recommendation, I guess, for an underrated Christmas movie for the, from the two of us. And we'll kind of talk about 
that. But uh, yeah, this was, um, yeah, like I said, I had never seen Gremlins pretty much on a whim at some point. I just said to Kat, like, hey, I'm going to watch Gremlins. And it was in October. I thought it was more of a horror movie than a Christmas movie. So I was a little bummed that I was watching a Christmas movie before October ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, right after that, I watched Gremlins 2, which has nothing to do with Christmas, right. <laughs> unless you want to consider it about consumerism and capitalism then i guess it's a little bit about christmas but without the christmasy stuff yeah you said this was your first time too what was what was your excuse for not watching gremlins i was going to ask you what yours was because i I find it fascinating as a as a kid we would go back in the 80s and 90s to an actual physical store and rent movies and literally my brother and i would ride with our best buddy david we would bike up to the movie stores and we had no money because we were kids and we would just walk around the movie stores and talk about them. And, and then we, you know, you could get movie posters from the movie rental place. Uh, if you oh, like fun. signed your name on the back of them and we put your phone number on it, they would call you and you could come pick it up, oh, cool. which was a lot of fun. So we had movie posters, all of our rooms. And so we saw like everything. We saw a bunch of stuff we definitely shouldn't have seen. And then, and then <laughs> uh, I somehow ended up missing this, but it, it falls into this weird gap of 80s movies that everybody else loves, but somehow I didn't see until I was an adult. So it would be things like uh, The NeverEnding Story. I didn't see until I was an yeah, adult. Yeah, I saw that as a kid, but I barely remember it. Or 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 like Labyrinth. I didn't see until I was an adult. And uh, oh, I have that on. I have. I also haven't seen that. So maybe I'll have to wait to, like you did and just keep waiting. <laughs> yeah, it just it, well, it's, it it fits into these movies where you're like, this is a a, a movie that you had to see in the time. Otherwise, it makes no sense why this was a thing. But I, what I really, my goal for these movies was to see, like, put, can I put myself into that era and see what how it fit in the context of that era and the other movies that were coming out, and and contextualize it so I don't walk away and be like I didn't get it and, because clearly. <laughs> Lots and lots and lots of people. I mean, these these were like top uh, top grossing movies. Gremlins one was number three in 1984 as far as grossing. Wow! So it's like these these movies are beloved. So there's something here I need to see. So that was my goal, and and hopefully by uh, kind of walking you through my process a little later, we can uh, we can get there and understand why this movie was what it was. So that was my goal. I had pretty much never. I feel like I didn't really even know about them until a couple years ago. I, uh, I'm trying to think if it was like something like my parents just didn't want to show me when I was growing up, which I think is a little silly. Um, although I do get it. I feel like I heard recently that like part of why gremlin, oh, uh, I think I learned this because, um, Stephen McFerrin wrote a piece for us on the website about gremlins over the, over the October. Um, so you can check that out on the website. I'll have a link in the show notes, but he had written that like gremlins and Raider was it Raiders of the uh, No Temple of Doom, um, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. The two of them were rated PG, but the two of them also contain like wacky violence, or in the, in the case of Temple of Doom, just violence, <laughs> and yeah, just grotesque score. So, like, people were responding to that, like, hey, like, I didn't want to take my kids out to see this. And Gremlins is really silly, so I think like maybe an older kid would find a lot of fun, but like they're getting obliterated to <laughs> the, the gremlins are so like which in really fun ways like i was cheering it was a ton of fun but like <laughs> i'm an adult so like being rated pg wouldn't surprise me with this stuff although in retrospect it does surprise me because it's rated pg and uh so maybe that's why i didn't watch them until a lot later and then yeah it was just like i just i feel like i was just sort of pushing it off i didn't really know what gremlins was about at all yeah, I, mean, yeah. I 
didn't know that like Gizmo was so precious and worthy of protection. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I just like, and then I just knew that they were like really silly. And I feel like I saw some clips, but nothing, nothing that I would be exposed to by watching both movies back to back. I mean, it was like, I, you, I could not predict what was going to happen. Did you know the rules before you went in that they have those three rules? I vaguely knew the after midnight one. Yeah, because I kept seeing clips in two when the guy is making fun of the rule, like, well, it's after midnight everywhere, isn't it? And then, of course, a gremlin comes out and kills him. So it's great. But like, that was the only thing I feel like I saw. I didn't know about the water. Um, And then there's a third rule. Oh, can't. Yeah, I was feeding after midnight. Can't. Oh, sunlight. I didn't know the sunlight one. Well, bright lights in general, supposedly. Yeah, it seems to change. Yeah. doesn't really matter yeah they're in a they're in a literal tv studio with some of the brightest lights you can find in, t- in oh interiors gosh. and they're fine and they're being interviewed you're trying to flashlight on them <laughs> yeah. in the same room they freak out that's <laughs> yeah. so funny you may not know this but the easiest way you can show your support for cinematic doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. My my parents were very odd about what we could and couldn't see when I was a kid. Uh, it was it was very strange. Like the rules didn't make sense. It was kind of like Gremlins in that way. The rules were there but didn't make <laughs> any sense and weren't followed uh, uniformly. So, you know, like our parents would rent something and it would have a lot of sex in it. And you're like why what's going on why this <laughs> yeah. you know yeah why how was the yeah, and it, it, there were just strange rules so i mean it does have a, a sort of horror element to it where the the characters are scary looking especially in the second one uh that one that talks oh, yeah. is just freaky freaky and funny <laughs> yeah but <laughs> we just it. want to be civilized <laughs> out gun, shoots other gremlins see <laughs> yeah even as an adult it was like what you know what? This is creepy. It's going to haunt my dreams. But uh, there was also this, this sort of weird thing going on at that time, where there were there were toys, kids' toys for products that the kids should never have seen. You know, they there were alien kids' toys in in the store when I was kid. Yeah, or Ghostbusters kids' toys. Ghostbusters half half kids of toys. Ghostbusters isn't like it doesn't make sense to a kid. Like what no. makes it funny is that it's like a, an adult. It's an adult movie, not really in content, although some, I guess some of it, but like the movie's about like a company startup that is so boring to kids. And right. yet I guess I like still liked the movie when I was younger. Like I watched a lot, but I don't, uh, I don't know. I throw my hands up in the air. I don't understand. <laughs> well, to, to juxtapose, like to talk about your question, why didn't I see it? I would also, the, oddly, 1984, I looked at the top grossing movies. Number four, Karate Kid, never saw it when I was a kid. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that shocked me. <laughs> I thought I could hold it back, yeah, <laughs> but then well, you said that. Here's I, I I lived when I lived in Los Angeles. I lived a few blocks away from the bad guys karate studio where they filmed it, and I oh, still n- never saw it. Like I didn't see it even then, even though I knew. Oh, that's the karate studio from the bad guy. No, nope, have you have you seen it? Have you seen it now? Do you have you seen it? I have seen yeah. clips. I have Oof. never seen it. It is. Can you it is that? a quintessential like. Like if you want to see what Hollywood 80s looks like, right. Karate Kid mm-hmm. is that. And it's it's really fun. But I'm just telling you, like there's just huge gaps. Huge gaps. Wow. Yeah. Let alone but you know, at the same time, the same year, Splash came out where you have a naked woman coming out of the out of the water. Saw that multiple times as a kid. One of the things that's 
really fascinating to me about this era, especially the 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 80s and the early 90s, and I've said it before on the Ernest movies, you could get away with basically anything. But there was also this sense of like when you described a movie, uh, it would be like a, a, a teenager finds a gremlin and it makes a bunch of evil gremlins and hilarity ensues. I mean, there it seems like it was the era of hilarity or actually probably a better word, mayhem. Mayhem ensues. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so they would come up with a loose plot and then mayhem ensues. And that was the whole film. And so, I mean, that is essentially you look at Home Alone, which came out the same year as Gremlins 2. And it's basically that a kid is left home alone. It's all set up. Kids left home alone. He defends his house. Mayhem ensues. You know, it, top grossing comedy of all time for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you have the it. peak yeah. of slapstick comedy was like around that time. And now, of course, like we, we've talked about before, where comedy is like kind of not, there, there's not a lot of goofy comedy, I feel like. I feel right. like, because um, I, I started watching a ton of, since I was watching all these horror movies this year, I watched me and my wife watched a bunch of Sam Raimi stuff. And like all of his comedy is slapstick, Three Stooges-esque comedy, just in a horror flavor. And mm-hmm. like to the point where like a, a person's being attacked by like a, a ghost, a, a tangible ghost. And then the person looks over and sees a rope and then the camera follows the rope to the ceiling. And then the ceiling tracks down and there's an anvil. And you're like, oh, the anvil's going to fall on the ghost. Like really, really silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, yeah, I, I've observed too that like a lot of like this era is constantly over the top, slapsticky, goofy, Charlie Chaplin-esque comedy which always works in my opinion like yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing it's timeless i don't need to know the context to right. find the jokes funny like that's great to me and it works across generation too like a kid seeing a gremlin like oh i'm trying to think of one thing but there's so many things that happen in the bar scene <laughs> sure Just constant constant visual candy just yeah. all of that would make a child laugh just as much as an, as an adult like i find extremely funny which is kind of not happening nowadays i've also been kind of struck as i i've watched films from this era how sort of sexist they are in ways that now we would never do like they that young girl oh, to, yes gets flashed in both movies by a gremlin <laughs> yes yeah and you're like that would never for, that would never be played for comedy now, uh, right. you know. Yes. First of all, where does this? Where do they get all these tiny clothes? Where if you're a, <laughs> don't if think you, about it. It's funny. That's all that matters. You're a gremlin. <laughs> where do where they get the tiny find? gun? <laughs> Why is she still serving them at the bar? <laughs> it's so silly. I t- I thought the same thing though. Like. I know it's not great. It's such a like. That's the first thing you think of, and then you go, "Oh no, she's right though. She needs to keep helping them. They or else they'll get they'll get her." Um, I I thought the same thing. We we watched Barbarian earlier this year, um, and uh, the first third of Barbarian is the the girl who the, our our lead uh, role. She is showing up at an Airbnb, but someone else is at the Airbnb, and it's a man. And the whole tension of the first third is is this man safe or not even though he's trying to be safe like he's like hey you can come in and make the calls i'll step away from you hey like i saw you came in and you're you're gonna stay the night till we can get you safe in the morning because we're in detroit um i didn't want to open this bottle of wine without you seeing me open it because i didn't want you to think that like i put something in it but and then he like keeps going on and you're constantly thinking like this doesn't seem safe and that's like the whole third first third 
then Catherine and I are going to the Halloween movies and we watch Halloween three. And uh, I, I can't even remember the actor's name, the lead guy, but he ends up going to a town and he runs into the daughter of a man that goes missing. And the daughter's like probably 19, 20, looks very young. Mm. And the two of them end up going to this town and staying at a hotel. And like, they end up like sleeping together. And it's like, the dynamic is super weird. It doesn't feel safe. He is a much older looking guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's grizzled. I'll say that. He's a grizzled 40-year-old looking guy. And they even have a joke of him being like, after they slept together, like, how old are you again? And she chuckles and goes, old enough. And you're like, this is a totally different dynamic to nowadays where like, we yeah, say literally, that. There, there are exceptions, though. Two words, licorice pizza. Sure. Yeah, nowadays, like, you have PTA <laughs> with licorice pizza, which I've heard, like, good criticism of, too, where people are talking about that one. I, mean, I guess I guess all that matters is if you're an artsy director, people will let you get away with whatever you want. But, like, but yeah, I'm thinking of something like where Gremlins, like, a lot of the jokes are, in a way, like, if, we didn't talk about this, but in Gremlins 2, there's the multi-gendered, like, gremlin that appears right. I forget, and like some yeah. of those jokes they're still I, i'll still say it, they're funny like they're still funny jokes they're so absurd because the whole movie is surrounded and coded in that it's not like the movie's serious and then that's tossed in so you can point and laugh the whole movie is to be point and laughed at right um but yeah like it, it's such a smorgasbord of like jokes that i i would say probably could still land if they were surrounded by all of it because you have movies like um not Bruno. Um, the, uh, but that guy, he does other ones. Um, oh, sure. Borat from Borat. one and two, where like, if you contextualize, I guess, your humor in a certain way, people are more palatable and, and receptible to it. Because yeah. like, yeah, Borat one and, and two are laden with really, really inappropriate and like transgressive content. But the context is that he is the catalyst for drawing things, these things out for people, right. from people. Um I don't know. Maybe comedy is just developing or context has changed all the time. Um, yeah. And it changes. Yeah. And that's fine. I think it's necessary. Um, but I, I will say to go, if I, I, I'll regret not having said this if we, if we skip over it. <laughs> there's that, like you, you mentioned, there's that one gremlin who's got makeup on and is almost doing like a striptease show at the one point in a spotlight. Yes, nonetheless, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. spotlight, one of the <laughs> <an> three <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah, where did they it's get so the good. stage anyway? Uh, so they're doing this thing, and it was to the song Rhapsody in Blue, which is happens to be my favorite song. And I, I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, don't use that. I'm gonna think <laughs> about great. that every time I hear the song. And, and anyway, that was in, in proper Gremlins fashion. It has infected a part of your mind, and it'll be there, ruining oh, it forever. Yeah. And, and it's it's sort of the, the middle of the song, and has sort of this slow dip song, dun, 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 and it's a little slow dip to part to the song. And it's like other people probably wouldn't notice, but it just happens to be one of my favorites. And then it's like, no, please don't. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hulk Hogan. You saved us. You came yeah. in to save us. That was um, actually kind of cool. Kind of reminded me. There's this moment in the film you're referring to with Hulk Hogan, uh, where the film appears to tear, and yes, and then yes. you're suddenly in a theater with Hulk Hogan, of course, uh, who is in everything. And I actually have an IMDb page up pulled up of all of his stuff. But there's so much WrestleMania on it. It's hard to like work through it. <laughs> yeah. But it reminded me of. Interestingly, Chuck Jones' work with uh, Duck Amok, which is a, a, um, a really famous Looney Tunes cartoon where uh, Daffy is being erased and then redrawn by the, the unseen artist. 
and mm-hmm. uh, sort of very meta uh, in an early day, which is funny because Chuck Jones directed the little short cartoon at the beginning of this. Uh, it kind of speaks to itself in that way and has this very similar meta feeling where it's like, wait a second. So I'm watching, am I watching Gremlins 2 now or am I, how am I somehow in this theater with Hulk Hogan? <laughs> Like, it's great. That's what it is. Yeah. And it showcases that these movies are very smart. I, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to watch them and think they're stupid or silly, which is accurate. But they're stupid and silly understanding <laughs> the definition accurate? of what that those two words mean. And yeah. I I I really am like impressed by like the general intelligence of the two films, especially Gremlins 2, which is like it's funny because it's so smart. Like it's just like impressively funny um like just constant like any and it, and it's so aware of the medium it's in having jokes about the filmmaking medium and like what's kind of popular at the time but also just eternally popular in movies um obviously the the anti-capitalist goofiness of it which isn't really anti because it's just really a long it's it's ca- capitalist critic critic critical um both in terms of movies film criticism uh the protection of media food there's the one gag about food which i thought was pretty good um all all of it's just so what's the era of wall street yeah enjoying this episode grab that share link and tell your friends word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners so don't be shy share the episode wherever you can There, there's just so many things with these movies. I, I have a, such a giant list of notes for this that I'm like, we're never going to get to that. And that's totally fine. <laughs> like, why is Julia Sweeney in this movie? That kind of thing. You know, like, we just can't talk about it. There's not enough time. But uh, you know, one of the big <laughs> questions I had is why not kill Gizmo? Because he's cute. What are you? Because what? he's cute. <laughs> but but it, like it was one of those. Uh, you you got to if if we have to get into some kind of big existential question, uh, because this is a movie podcast. Uh, having you know lived through a massive pandemic and all that, uh, where one of the big questions that kind of came up in circles that I run in is: uh, Are we no longer uh, okay sacrificing for each other? You know, it, it, is my comfort my own highest? goal you know sure. yeah, yeah yeah uh so even i did on on the truce podcast i released uh, the audiobook of in his steps uh which is this uh the origin of the phrase what would jesus do came out in the 1890s because it fits really well into this all this that i've been talking about in the season about fundamentalism but one of you know one of the big questions of the book is like um have i ever really truly sacrificed something for god you know, or or have I just kind of been giving off the top with stuff something I won't miss? Have I you know have I ever really truly sacrificed for Jesus? And um and and I've thought about that. It was really fit well within the pandemic because it was like there were a lot of my friends that was like you know I, I don't want to you know put a mask on because it steams up my glasses. Like yeah, but you could prevent somebody from dying if you wear a mask or you mm-hmm. know if you stay in if if you know those kinds of things. It, it, that became a very big question. And so when I saw this at the end of Gremlins One, Gizmo is still alive, and they think, "Oh, yeah. thank goodness, you, you're okay, you're safe." And, and <laughs> I was like, "But you know, all it takes is him getting any water, even a drop on him at all, yeah. and you know, water's everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> he, he's definitely yeah, gonna moisture get moisture is in the air <laughs> this is going to happen uh, even if there's no sequel this is going to happen what will we sacrifice what won't we sacrifice for others it was kind of an interesting question that came up in my mind um of course there's always 
the reality that there is, you know, Jesus's name is used in vain in this movie, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing, again, for a Christmas movie, again, for a child, a children's movie. But children's movies in the 80s were very different than children's movies now. Uh, you know, like Ghostbusters was number one in 1984. Um, you know, the, clearly, like you said, not a great <laughs> movie necessarily yeah. for children. Home Alone <laughs> has has a lot of language and is actually just like flat out rude as a school bus driver. Uh, I, I'm kind of offended by Home Alone. I'm like, kids are so terrible. That's what they're like on school buses. But It's true. <laughs> then there's the reality that, of course, in, in the first movie – well, first of all, you got to love that they that there was this this love, and you see this in Stranger Things, a love of science teachers in this era where it was almost sort of well, even with like uh, you go back to Gilligan's Island, and there's like oh, you've got the professor, and the professor mm-hmm. can do any science whatsoever, <laughs> like yes, yeah, yeah, anything yeah. scientific, the professor could do it, and and when it comes down to this science high school teacher, they trust him for all the information in the world which is kind of an interesting phenomenon you see in 80s movies and in Stranger Things that like they mm-hmm. they trust this one teacher to know everything about their field even if it is outside their field. Um but then if, unfortunately then you have the black guy who dies first which is like a, a trope from horror yes. films yeah, in that yeah, era. Yeah. Although I don't know if we ever even know that he's dead. Um he's just kind of laying I there. think the implications there. Yeah. Um but we never really see anybody die. Um mm-hmm. uh, it's always off screen and usually to some laughter from a gremlin. Um but yeah. I think on the topic of like the sacrifice thing like because <laughs> because um uh Gizmo is given enough of his own personality like it's not anyone else's decision to make. Also like he doesn't want it to happen. Every time it happens he gets bullied, which is gives me a bunch of laughter and awes because I don't want him to be bullied anymore, but it's also very <laughs> funny. So I don't mind it. Uh, but, um, but in that respect, it, it, really it's more of an indictment of, of, of them, how they care for him and how they don't do it well. Um, and all that jazz or happenstance. Cause in the second one, it's literally like, <laughs> like, like it's like a Rube Goldberg machine gets water out of at this point where like right. physics just decides to dictate it's going to happen. He's going to get, it's going to get wet. I was curious, though, like if a Gremlins 3 has been wanted to, wanted to be made for a long time, how bad would it be if everything was CG this time? Oh, it'd be, it'd be bad. It'd be really it'd bad. It'd be bad. Thank you. Okay. Do you imagine it'd be tempting? It'd be tempting for them to do it that way because then, of course, you can do more with those things. You know, in, yes, in yes, these yes, ones yes. where there's a Gremlin hanging from a ceiling fan, you know, that's just like a puppet with nothing in it that's just hanging. It has no Which is great. Life. You know, but but a part of the charm is that they would have to do it with they would have to do it with puppets. I would They'd be so to. I I wouldn't even want like I this is so funny to me, but like the only CG I ever actually don't mind this at this point is the silly looking electricity that's used in all 80s movies where like the electricity <laughs> like actually just looks like electricity or, yeah but like 80s style yeah, like the gremlin and gremlins too yeah just because it's like the only thing that ever it only it's the only thing that ever looks okay in my opinion hmm. um in terms of like i just associate that with movies so it makes sense being in movies i don't know i i would hate this if it was in if it was just cg it would be just terrible yeah just I would terrible. too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think people always forget that CG, the things that CG does really well. So it'd be like wire removal. 
you know, when they yes. just go in and airbrush yes. out a wire or something like that. There are a lot of really good practical uses of CG, but it's just sort of when it's an obvious thing. So like even in the movie Castaway, uh, they go in and they digitally add in or and remove some palm trees and things like that. But you don't know because it's on an island and there are palm trees. There's supposed to yes. be palm trees. So it just makes sense. And so those little things is like, I don't mind as sort of a former filmmaker being able, I don't mind that kind of use of stuff. Uh, it's it's mostly when it's just like, why you didn't even need that. You know, you didn't. Oh my gosh, no. Although Not at, at the same time, here I am. You know, we're talking about this, but the the reuse of sets is a really interesting thing for me when I spot them in movies. Um, so, did you recognize the movie theater in the first movie? I did not. Uh, the street outside the movie theater. Um, I don't think maybe I. I don't think so. I feel like I recognize the street a little bit, but not entirely. Okay. Um, but not the movie theater. What 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 else was it in? Back to the Future. It's uh, okay. So yeah. I, that's that is because <laughs> the street made me think Back to the Future. Yep. Um, and even in um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, I'm pretty sure the one watt that they use that looks like a city looks like a it looks like the same exact back to the future street um because i i worked like in los angeles years ago (laughs) and uh, 20 years ago almost in in the film industry and i've been i've been up to the clock tower from back to the future and opened the door to look in to see what's behind it apparently it's just you know it's just a crisscross of beams it's just you know a facade but uh you know i so i've been there and so partially it's also really distracting for me because i'm like oh I, I've seen that. It's also in Evan Almighty, or not Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty. Uh, it's the same downtown area that it is in <laughs> Back to the Future as it is in Gremlins, and it just kind of an interesting thing because uh, you know even you know they were out out around the same time, and so it's like, wait, you know, people, how do we not notice that this is the same set? Uh, hiding, a, uh, hiding. Snow. I mean, obviously they change it with the snow, and they they change the some of the logos and things. Um, but even, I believe I may be wrong about this, but I think the bank that the kid works in, in the first movie is in the same location, at least the exterior from the little like soda stand or like a diner that they go into in back to the future. Um, I think it's that same corner one just redone. So, uh, anyway, it's, uh, it, it was, that, that was, that's always distracting for me. Cause I've, I've only been on a few back lots paramount uh you know universal warner brothers but uh and i inevitably end up seeing some set piece from like oh yeah i've been there i know where that is (laughs) do you prefer that though to like so we just talked about cg with the creatures but do you prefer that to like cg backgrounds because nowadays cg backgrounds are like they're everywhere i mean you can't get away from it it's just terrible no i i do i still do prefer practicals and i understand the practicality of like you don't want to shoot a film in the actual new york city if you don't have to or you know on an actual city street if you don't have to because there's you know there's real advantages to shooting on a back lot and uh and having more control a back lot even just looks better than (laughs) cg backgrounds anyway yeah hey there listener want to influence the podcast Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. Yeah, something I enjoyed about these two movies, Gremlins 1 and 2, is the fact that like you can see the money on screen. And yeah. I just prefer that to... Like, and and it's specifically the money on screen during production, not post-production, which is when they're doing like the CG or, well, they're doing usually CG at the same time, but that's when they're implementing the CG, um, audio effects, all that stuff, ADR. 
Um, and I just, I don't know. I just prefer that. I, I also think like that's part of the spectacle uh, to, right. to channel some note. That's part of the spectacle of watching movies is like you get to see the work of a team of like hundreds of thousands of people, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds to a thousand people putting something together to, to, to put on a show. I don't, it just feels, it just feels better to me, especially when we get into gremlins too, where like, it's all, it's not just backlight, it's set. It's just a right. a building that's a set and it's just extremely fun and goofy. Um, all ridiculous. It's almost a constant appreciation nowadays when something is just more practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more appreciation for that, especially as we're just in such a post, 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 post digital age now where like, it's just, you can't get away from it. Even now we're recording on Zencaster over the internet. So it's like, just to be able to we step are? away from that and have something. I'm doing mine. Real I know. For real. I just, what are you doing? It's <laughs> a surprise. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it just feels good. But I mean, also like, like you were saying, I, I will say that what, what I appreciated about both movies, even though they were zany and I didn't find them as funny as maybe you did, which is fine. Um, but uh they they were very literate in what they were doing to the point where there's a and they're very much of their era. So there's a, a gremlin in Gremlins 2 who is dressed like Phantom of the Opera, which was like a very big deal back then for Broadway mm-hmm. theater. Mm-hmm. And but it was also obviously a movie in an earlier on. And there's this very famous shot of of the Phantom of the Opera sort of walking towards the camera and being out of focus as he approaches the camera and like just mm-hmm. part of old film lore and the same like little phantom of the op- opera gremlin does the <laughs> same thing it's like oh okay <laughs> i get what you're doing there that was cute yeah and i think i heard uh in terms of like clever things from two like the the critic that gets eaten oh yeah uh legitimately gave leonard malton he gave the first movie like a bad rating so right. they asked him to cut which is so great that's a ten. it's a ten. it's uh yeah all that stuff is so like I said, it's a smart movie. It's got a lot of really clever stuff. Yeah. Uh, HBO Max, if anyone's trying to get, catch them, obviously you'll still have time by the time this goes up to still watch them on Christmas if you want. Of course, 2 is not a Christmas movie, but it is still very fun. Um, so try and check that out. Hey, don't forget, there's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. I have a little game that I made for you, Chris. Oh, let's do it. Uh, it is a Christmas themed game. Uh, the title of the episode, I'm pretty sure of this episode is when it goes up, it'll obviously have truce or Chris stare in the beginning, and then it'll say a Royal Gremlins party or Christmas party. I forgot the streamers, as you can see, for this party. But uh, I decided to collect a bunch of movies that had to do with royalty and Christmas. You oh. have to choose between two Christmas titles, two two movies, titles, and I'm going to read you a description. You have to tell me which one is the actual film. Oh, so one of these is fake and one of them is real. Both of them are real. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I wish in the beginning I I lied to you and said that one of them was fake so that after all the questions I could reveal all of them were no, real. All of them that would be great. Oh man. Uh save that for next year. Cuz I'm sure there will be 12 more of these because every <laughs> year the Hollywood Christmas movie machine is Oh, sure. very successful. Okay, so so like I said, uh Royal Christmas game, you have to decide which description goes to the movie. I'll read you two movies. And then I'll read you one description, and then I'll read you the movies again so you can pick it. So, round one. The two movies are A Prince for Christmas and 
a royal Christmas ball. The description. I know the the names get crazier. <laughs> the the, uh, the description for this movie is a prince from Europe meets a charming waitress when he travels to America during Christmas holiday to escape an arranged marriage. Now, again, the titles are A Prince for Christmas or A Royal Christmas Ball. Which one? I think it's A a Prince for Christmas. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I was going (laughs) to, I figured I'd lowball you this one. (laughs) A Prince for Christmas is accurate. I think I've seen the poster for that one. Yeah. You you probably have. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the next round, round two, a Christmas prince or a Christmas princess. Uh, the description is Wait a, a second. Prince is from... a Christmas prince different than a prince for Christmas? Yes. Yeah, those are different <laughs> movies. <laughs> I had to double check. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of movies about princes on Christmas. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a whole list. <laughs> They're all kind of the same movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know okay. how they keep getting away with this. Hit me again. Um, Sorry. Hit me again. All right. So the description is a prince from a small European country arrives in New York City to plan his family's annual Christmas charity dinner. Now, the two titles again are a Christmas prince or a Christmas princess. I mean, it's got to be a Christmas prince. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are wrong. It what? is a Christmas princess. I was so sure. <laughs> because the description has oh, nothing. Based on what? <laughs> the description doesn't even mention a woman. That's why I thought it was going to be. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. All right. One and one. One and oh. Uh, round three. A castle for Christmas or oh. Christmas with a prince. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing here. Okay, I like it. I like okay. it. Uh, uh, the description for this movie. A dedicated pediatrician reconsiders her feelings for a carefree prince as he secretly recovers from a ski accident alongside her young patients. Again, the two titles are A Castle for Christmas or Christmas with a Prince. I, I'm going to keep going with Christmas with a Prince. There or anything like that. Because there's no mention of the castle in 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 the description. So it's got to be. It's got to be. Because it sounds like it takes place in a hospital. Okay. That's some, that's some good reasoning. Is that your final answer? It is. You are correct. Okay. Nice. Christmas with a prince. You're right. That is two and oh. We've got two more to go. Uh, round four. The night before Christmas or Prince of Peoria, a Christmas moose miracle. Christmas moose miracle. <laughs> you heard me right. Teddy's never missed the Festival of Lights, but the bowling alley's been snowed in. Not to worry. Emil insists the Christmas moose will save the day. Okay, well, we know which one it so is, which, right? So which movie is it? It's the one that mentions moose in the title. <laughs> the Night Before Christmas, or Prince of Peoria, A Christmas Moose Miracle. Prince of Peoria. Is that your final answer? <laughs> I really hope it's not. I really hope it's not, but I'm going to go with it. You are correct. That okay. is three and oh. No, uh, I got Prince one wrong. Bayaria. I got one wrong. A, Chris, a Christmas moose miracle. Uh, hey, wait, so wait. I tried to like get ones where the description didn't give away the title, but I couldn't not put in that one because right. I don't understand why it's titled that. But the, the bummer of the, the whole crux of the thing is like, I can't get into the bowling alley on Christmas. I think they're stuck in it. Oh, wait, no, I think you're right. I th- I 
I don't know. I couldn't understand the context and I okay. didn't want to watch the trailer. <laughs> but yeah, they're either If you've seen it, hit us up on social media. They're either in the in the bowl because this is what I thought. I thought they were in the bowling alley and then it was a snowstorm and they got stuck. Okay. But your canon may be more accurate. Somebody tweet at us if Twitter is still alive. Um okay, so final round. Royally wrapped for Christmas or a Christmas in royal fashion. Oh. The description is the New York director of an international charity organization no. interviews for a job with the royal family of Veronica. Yes, it's called Veronica. Uh, okay, so the two titles again are Royally Wrapped for Christmas or A Christmas in Royal Fashion. I think Christmas in Royal Fashion because Royally Wrapped would probably imply that she worked at some kind of store and was doing wrapping paper. So I'm going to go with that. Is that your final answer? It is. You are incorrect. What? The royal fashion one is about a fashion show, but <laughs> royally wrapped is about a business model who runs a charity organization with this thing. I don't know. I don't. I, just, <laughs> I didn't watch any of these. <laughs> I think I started the night before Christmas or night for Christmas even a couple oh. years ago, and then I never finished it. But oh. that is a. Uh, that is it. Hey, th- three three out of five. That's a pretty That's good score. Bad. That is a positive leaning score. A lot of princes. I couldn't find a fifth prince to put in that last one. But. Is there is there a spoof of this genre? That's what I want to know. So like if Leslie Nielsen were still alive, could we possibly point to a film that he has done or would do that makes fun of this genre? That would be because because my first thought is, yeah, that's like not another teen movie where like yeah. the movie is literally about making fun of teen movies, but it was just too late to be in the in the zeitgeist for it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I there might be. Um I feel like if there is, it's gonna be coming out soon and it'll right. do really well. But I like so. it would have to but the movies are also so like entertaining in how silly they are to watch anyway. I don't know if you've ever sat down to watch one of these no. like style of movies. Every I think once or twice a year I'll do it just because it's like I mean they are literally what they are, which yeah. is mindless and like it is like i can eat nachos that are as loud as pot as all can be <laughs> i can do anything and i still know what the movie's about and then they kiss in the end but right yeah it's uh i don't know i'd hope so <laughs> there's I, gotta be one that that brief time when i w- worked in the in secular films i worked as a camera assistant on a, a hallmark film that i have never been able to find uh so i don't know if was that a friend for something? I don't know. The check cleared. But uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> that's good. It was one of those where you're in it and you're like, this is a, such a stupid idea. It just, it was a, like a, a woman moves from the city to the country. It was a, it's a teenage girl moves to the city with the, with her dad and doesn't want to be there and falls in love with the ranch hand. And then they end up saving some wolf pups. And you're like, this is, this is so stupid. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> I digress, but I'm, I'm glad I, now I want to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I do too. <laughs> I know I was called wild hearts, at least on the call sheet. That's what they were calling it. Um, the interesting thing about wild hearts was that it was a bunch of TV actors who had been children, but grew up. So it was like the uh, little girl from growing pains, the, the redheaded little girl from growing pains. Um, oh, interesting. And then Joe from the facts of life. Uh, if you remember the facts of life, she was sort of the older ranch lady. Uh, and and it was just like, oh, wow, I never thought I would meet these people. I watched them when I was a kid. Anyway, anyway so it was fun to work on. But uh, yeah, it, for me, who loves plot? Maybe you need to start watching all these movies so you can make the spoof. Maybe, maybe. Maybe that's your next movie. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie. 
as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. Okay, so you wanted to also get into, lastly, just some an underrated Christmas movie or movies. I don't know if you had plural. I just uh, have one. But we, uh, yeah, what, what, what is the one that you're kind of like basically recommending? What's, what's the one that's on your mind? Okay, I'll give it to you. Mixed Nuts with Steve Martin. Uh, so it's, it's a movie, I want to say from the 90s, uh, that uh, stars Steve Martin and also um, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife, and Madeline Kahn. And Liev Shriver actually is in it and plays a cross-dresser, which is kind of an interesting swing for him. And uh, it's about this, uh, I want to say they're in Los Angeles, maybe Malibu area, area, but they, they're like a beach community and they've, they run a, a helpline for people who are feeling suicidal. This does not sound funny, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the helpline is about to be closed down and they're all going to lose their jobs around Christmas. And so it's about their efforts to try to save the suicide prevention hotline. Sure. Um, and then, of course, a bunch of the people who are in trouble and are having some difficulties show up at their doorstep. And mayhem ensues. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So there's gremlins, is what you're saying. So <laughs> there's I'm, some gremlins in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it's it's an oddly sweet movie. Um, even uh, with Leave Shriver, this, of course, being an era where, uh, you know, you could really – you you could – People would find it very funny if you had a man in a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was not sort of a social commentary thing of the of the era. It was just they were trying to go for a joke. But it ends up being oddly sweet, uh, which you would not necessarily expect with the area or with the sure. era. Sure, sure, um, and very compassionate towards all the people who are in the film. Um, uh, which is it ends up yeah, it ends up being a surprisingly sweet and funny film. So I, I would recommend. Um, I would recommend it. Um, yeah, when you mentioned recommending or bringing up like a maybe an maybe underrated or just underknown or underseen Christmas movie, um, I'm sure that this probably isn't underseen, but I feel like I'd never really heard anyone talk about it even when it came out. Maybe it came out during 2020, and that's why I can't remember. But I'm recommending Netflix's animated movie called Klaus from a couple years oh. ago. Um, it's got really great animation, first off, um, really fun style. But the premise is it's it's another story about how Santa Claus came to be, um, where basically nice. a mailman shows up at this town and it's terrible and none of the people get along. And then there's this guy named Klaus who lives out in the woods, who big, who used to make toys. Uh, and it's just a guy. Uh, there's really no magic or anything like that involved. It's just he makes toys and then the mailman delivers them and everyone gets along and it's all great. But it's got a really good voice cast going on. I'm pretty sure it's J.K. Simmons as Santa, but I can't. Don't quote me on that, but I know he's in it. I'm pretty sure. Um, I guess uh, I guess if I find out that's true, I'll edit all this out so I sound more confident. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's good. It's very funny. It's it's short. I think I remember it was under 80 minutes. I think it's pretty wow. quick. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a good Christmas movie. That isn't entire doesn't entirely feel like a Christmas movie if that's not what you're into. So it's like a good adjacent Christmas movie <clears throat> that is obviously still a Christmas movie <laughs> because it's about Santa Claus. Uh, and mm-hmm. I have gone on the record several times saying I love Santa Claus. I think he's cool as a myth, as a modern myth. Obviously, there are things that are upsetting about the way people 
might believe in Santa or the way that, that people train children to sort of believe it, that sort of thing. But as a mythological figure and stuff, and as a fictional character for storytelling, I think Santa Claus is great. So I vacillate. I, I vacillate. So if anybody is looking for my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a back and forth. Hey, I could have got a yeah, good the, Patreon discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's fun in fiction. So I'm all for it. So yeah, definitely check out, definitely check out Klaus. But uh, yeah, Chris, thanks so much for making some time to be on the show again. I always love having you on. Oh, thanks for having me. You have really again, good insight with movies too. Oh, praise God. It's it's so nice to be able to talk about something that's just fun and silly, uh, which I guess is why we inevitably talk about some a movie that's fun and silly. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, it's relieving. And I think it's just good to like cleanse the palate every now and then with something like that. But if you're looking for something that will, you know, be headier and maybe a little more serious, try out the Truce podcast. Yes, got a yes. series going on about the history of Christian fundamentalism. And I honestly think that uh, some of the, the best episodes I've ever done are the ones coming out after the new year. So after the new year. Okay. Cause season five has been pretty strong. So that's, that's sounding good. Oh, praise God. Yeah. 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 I've got some, I'm really excited about these. Um, I'm really, really excited. And also trying to do fundraising for the show to do it full time. So I'm uh, God willing supposed to go in front of my church January 8th, 2023 to uh, see if people will help me out. So um, I'm still trying to get listeners to, to help out as well. People who already listen, because uh, I'm facing this uphill battle at church where a lot of people don't know what a podcast is. Uh, so when you tell them you speak to thousands of people every two weeks, they don't fully understand. <laughs> do you ever just describe it as a radio show? Yeah, just do a radio show, I but do. it's online. It's a ra- yeah, I do. I do. But uh, even then, I've, I, I've been going to small groups uh, to try to talk to people on, in smaller sections. Settings. So we can actually have our take our time take our time trying to cover this stuff and uh, that's been very helpful um but it is sort of an uphill battle because i have a full-time job so i keep running having to be like oh, i gotta explain this in like 15 minutes yes. so i gotta get back yeah. to my full-time job so um but uh, yeah if anybody if you are a person of prayer please be praying for that that would be a huge blessing for me so i could stop uh uh getting close to panic attacks would be amazing yeah i would say that that's a good <laughs> good cure for that so yeah, yeah. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, people, check out Truth Podcast. It's a great show. I've been listening to it for a couple of years now. It's really good. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Appreciate your support. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.